Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm here with my very good friend, Julie Peanut Butter Fudge Smith. Um, And today we're going to talk about changes in your dogs as they age, right? How to assess hearing and sight, and maybe even some of those geriatric concerns because a listener, Linda, shout out to Linda and Diva, who's awesome, um, wanted to talk about like some geriatric concerns. Now, it is important to point you to Julie and Colleen have done a bunch of podcasts in the past, and we'll link those in the show notes of other podcast episodes that kind of go with this one. They give you some other information and some other takes and richly bless this conversation. But Julie and I are going to do our own little take on it. So um, Julie, I think you get the first comment. Um, And I want to say you were saying that you've not, what were you saying? You haven't had a dog who lost their hearing? Correct. I've I've never, that I know of. Um, now that sounds really bad too, but as far Have as they just never listen to you. <laughs> okay, so I tell people that my clients' dogs are extraordinarily well trained. Mine are good enough, but um, no. I, as far as I know, we've never really had a dog that has had any kind of serious hearing deficiency. Let me put it that way. So that's really fascinating, right? In my life, almost every single one of my dogs has gone deaf. Not everyone. But almost everyone has. That's really interesting that your dogs haven't haven't done that, that that hasn't manifested. Yeah. Well, my, maybe my dogs don't live long enough to go deaf. Okay, well, that's it. Like, it, it, I'd like to welcome everyone back to <laughs> dog is dying. <laughs> yes. Um, More conversation about how Julie's dogs don't last very long and she chooses infirm dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, um, maybe I've just been too stupid. We, let's just give credit where credit is due. That I have been too stupid to notice that they've gone deaf, and I've just so no, it's a really interesting thing. So, so I, if you've not experienced, let me give you a heads up so that as your dogs age into golden ripe old ages, that I can help prepare you. <gasps> path Wait, you. there is rebel. There was rebel. We think, and it actually turned, Rebel had always had a bit of thunderstorm phobia, and ah. which happens as the dog gets older, you're more likely to have it. But actually, as he lost his hearing, his thunderstorm phobia decreased. So that's actually an interesting marker I'm going to give you. So I don't know that this is, this is totally anecdotal, right? I obviously have not done a big research study because I'm busy doing a lot of anecdotal work all day long. Um, but I will tell you, a dog. in my experience, a dog who has sound sensitivity younger, in my experience, loses their hearing, which is really, really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I see it, I think, in people, too. So stay with me while I discuss my hypothesis. So my hypothesis is, as their world starts to get quieter, they become, they notice noise more and are less tolerant of it until they get to the point that they are actually deaf and then storm phobia kind of goes out the window, right? Um, 
So I see this in people too. I ha I'll have a client that maybe they're in their 50s or 60s, their retirement age, and the wife calls me and says, we've got to do something about the barking. My husband's mad as a hornet because the dog barks all the time. Um, one of my first questions, like once I'm able to ask less gentle questions is, is your husband losing his hearing? And, and often there will be this big pregnant pause and then they go, yeah, yeah, I think he is. And I'm like, okay. So his world's quieter. And so now noise is a bigger thing when it does break through. Right. So it's, it seems to be more amplified. Yeah. So interesting, interesting to me. And, and again, like, I don't, I mean, maybe someone out there is going to, maybe Barbara Dobbins will come up with some awesome research study that goes, yes, that's happening. Or no, you're full of malarkey. Um, as I am, you know, obviously full of malarkey, but um, there's, there's, that is what I have seen in my practice, you know, these million huh. years. So, so it's really, really interesting. So, um, and then of course I will say some of my dogs, the pug is an example. My guess is that if his, if he hadn't had chronic, horrible ear infections his whole life before he came to us, he probably would be a hearing dog. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would be a deaf dog, but, but you know, he's one of those unfortunate souls who has really nasty ear infections that are difficult to stay on top of and, and are just chronic and a mess and, have resulted in a loss of hearing. So, um, now do you think it's I due to the infection or do you think it's due to the treatment or is it a combination of the two? Uh, I, I don't know that it's treatment. I think it's the infections. That could be, think, that, that yeah. makes more sense to me that it would be the infection rather than the treatment. Yeah. But. And actually, so, so Chris was talking to me yesterday, his boss took his boss's mother to the doctor because suddenly she wasn't hearing them when they like, rang the doorbell and knocked on the door and her dog was exploding that there were guests at the house. And so they were worried that she like instantaneously lost her hearing. Like, was that a stroke? Like what, what's going on? And it turns out her ears were just really dirty. The doctor pulled a ton of earwax out of her head. So, um, I mean, granted that's a human example, but I mean, she literally wasn't hearing them like banging on the door. Like they're worried that their mom might not actually be in there anymore. And she couldn't hear it and now suddenly can, right? So there is always that husbandry question of, mm -hmm. is her, you know, having the vet take a look at the ears and see if that dog hears. Mm -hmm. um, but I have twice in my career had people, and I think actually it happened a third time too, where people didn't know their dog was deaf. It was super evident to me watching behavior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Usually their complaint is the dog doesn't come when called. Yes. And he doesn't listen to them. He doesn't do what they ask. I'm like, right, because he can't hear you. And they're like, what? So an excellent way, thumbnail sketch, to test is your dog hearing is to take their normal dog food bowl and just a measured amount of their kibble. And when the dog is asleep in the room, pour the dog food in the bowl. If your dog does not wake up, I'm pretty much going to tell you that's probably a deaf dog. <laughs> Because <laughs> most dogs are like, what? Like, we've all seen that adorable beagle puppy who loses yes. her marbles when they pour food in a bowl. Uh, other things that people can look for is just like people. Like, does the dog always turn one ear toward you? Right? Or when they 
when they hear something, do they always turn their head in one direction? And then one of my favorites is if your dog is asleep, do they sleep more soundly if one ear is up versus the other ear? Hmm. So do you get a big startle if the dog is laying on his left ear and his right ear is up in the air? Does your dog startle if the kid's going by versus if it's the other way? Um, Because it may be that if the hearing ear is down, your dog is only hearing out of one ear. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that is really interesting. Well, the other thing you can do too is is you can do the, so the same kind of startle test that that people will do um is that when your dog is walking out of the room, you know, you you can make a noise. You know, you can uh drop a can or if they got a metal bowl, you know, knock the metal bowl on the counter or something just see if they start or turn. You know, I think it's going to hurt them but would cause a bit of a startle response and uh that can also indicate whether or not, um, I, I don't want to scare the bejeebers out of your dog. What you don't want, to, but what you do want to do is just, if you hear this noise, is this going to cause you to turn and pay attention to me? And if it's not, and it did in the past, then you're talking about a dog is probably starting to lose his hearing. So, Well, and is, is your dog suddenly, like, so let's say there's a sound and all of the other dogs, you know, your other dog runs to the fence barking and the this other dog is like, starts looking around. Right. We're barking. What are we barking at? I will also say that their sound seems to change. So they don't sound the same way. So kind of, again, like when we lose our hearing, our voice, our voices change. Because they're not getting the same Uh, feedback. They're not getting the same auditory feedback. So, And my my Doberman, God rest his soul, used to like his indoor voice went away. So like while Doberman pinchers have a big bark anyway, when he started losing his hearing, it was he was like Mr. Megaphone. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, I used to envision that he would go, rarf, and, like, my hair would blow back. <laughs> because that bark just suddenly, the amplification was crazy. And I think it's, he was, it's like when we have a cold, a head cold, and we're talking so that we can hear ourselves. And everybody's like, why are you yelling? Right, <laughs> right. Because he just couldn't hear himself. So... Those are some behavioral ways to keep an eye out. Yeah, well, I had a I had a problem for a while that I yeah I had a paralyzed vocal cord, and so I I lost my, so I could talk some, but it was very hoarse and it was anyway. But what I found that was really interesting is that people would start yelling at me. Right, I would say something and they realize I couldn't talk very well, so then they start shouting and I'm like, I am not deaf. Okay, all I've I've lost my voice, not my. Why are you shouting at me? The other thing they did is they would talk around me, so I'd be standing. I'm feeling like I'm right here, not deaf, not, you know, I'm just not invisible. I am right here. You can actually talk to me, and I can croak back at you, or, you know, whatever. But it was really interesting that that somehow when you cannot communicate verbally as much as perhaps you had people tend to i don't know they just the 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 default behavior seems to be let's just yell it's really fascinating right and and so i tell people all the time like even in puppy class teach your dog hand signals and if you see that either your dog's vision or hearing is starting to become impaired if you even smell that that might be happening you better start adding new cues so when we're working with deaf dogs Often we're using touch cues. So if I touch your shoulder, that means sit. 
I touch your hip, that means lie down, right? If I touch your chest, it means stand, right? So that if my dog, because goodness forbid, if Al loses his vision, we're going to have no way to talk to him. That's right, because if you use a light pen, which people will oftentimes do use a little flashing pen as opposed to a um, clicker. Right, I use a little LED light right. instead of a clicker. Right, and that can work. Um, but you're right, what if they lose their sight? Well, then we've lost the cues. So you're right, to, to sort of have multiple cues for the same behavior is just worth it. It's really worth it. And so then I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Scent cues? That's going to be... <laughs> that's right wait a minute which bottle was it rosemary that meant we were supposed to lay down or was that vanilla like, <laughs> right like every morning i'll be like okay so we put a little this here and a little that there and a little bit here and then i'm like shoving things into the dog's face really no that's not gonna work I, mean, I i have used scent cues with dogs but that's it to say that it is cumbersome is exaggeration right or, or, or is like a whatever the inverse of an exaggeration is like it cannot be sufficiently a minimalization maybe i don't yeah. know like it's just bad don't do it yeah so <laughs> it's um, just wrong <laughs> well and and i've used it honestly with blind dogs right so um so my first experience with a blind dog was an Italian greyhound that was Christopher's dog when I met him, who had a serious thyroid condition and who lost his vision, right? Wow. Um, and it was funny because I had never, I had lived with a dog who had gotten cataracts, Okay. which I, I guess some people don't realize dogs can get cloudy lenses the same way we do. Mm-hmm. Um it's my understanding if any of us live long enough, we will eventually have cataracts, whether we like them or not. Um, but which is the, why you should wear sunglasses. One of the best yeah. ways to to either prevent or to forestall the development of cataracts is to wear good polarized sunglasses. I'm doomed, literally. The these are my first sunglasses ever. Like I got, I finally bought the ones that change color when you go outside. Because I hate sunglasses. Uh, so. All right. Well. Uh, so so there you go. It's been nice seeing you, Tina. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sunglasses so, are really uh, good. <laughs> I wonder if I need sunglasses for the dogs now. Um, anyway. So, um, so one, you can protect your, back to hearing, you can protect your dog's hearing. Right. Um, one of the things that I've seen that, that oddly enough, I have two clients right now that their dogs live in parts of the country where there are fireworks every day and their dogs are sensitive to it. Um, and so for both of those dogs, adding mutt muffs, which is hearing protection that hunters use for their dogs to help protect their hearing, right. Um, have helped, which I find crazy fascinating. Can we, right? oh, we will um, have to put a link to, what was it? Mutt muffs? Mutt muffs. Well, and if somebody else has a better answer, I also had a client years ago that their child put sound canceling headphones that were little kid ones on the dog during a thunderstorm, and the dog didn't need medication for the storms. Great. Because there was sound canceling headsets. So I've not tried that, but that was reported to me. Okay. Um, 
by by customers, which I thought was fantastic. Um, for vision, I guess I do wonder, like, should we be putting sunglasses on them before they go outside? That sounds terrible. Um, the So this dog, the way it was really funny, because I kept asking, does he see? And the Chris and the kids kept saying yes. And the, the reason they said that they felt that he could see was if you put a glass of water down on the floor anywhere, he would walk into it. So they thought he was acting out. Um, and and my guess is he just could hear when you set the glass down. And he was using that to navigate because he had learned, moved into a new home. So he didn't know where everything was. And so suddenly all those noise cues we're explaining it to him. So, okay. so we got to learn giving new, you know, making sure his verbal cues are nice and strong and keeping him safe with a vision problem. Right. Um, and, and exploring all that stuff. So um, I've not, Stuart lost vision in one eye when he got vestibular, which was interesting. Um, and so he, we were pretty sure he was blind. So that's interesting with, with, with Zuzu. What we found was really interesting is is that my my dog Bingley I could throw a ball and he uh, I tried not to throw a lot in the air because I didn't want him to do a lot of mid air jumping and torquing of his back and stuff like that but he could I mean if I threw a ball and it bounced into bounced past him or whatever he could always find it he, he was great at finding his balls Zuzu not so much man I would throw a ball and um be a bright yellow tennis ball right and it would bounce and she wouldn't see it and it would like land next to her and she couldn't find it right or it bounced over i mean i began to think like how can you not see that it's like sitting right next to you kind of thing so i was really beginning to worry about whether or not she could she could see very well and um you know maybe it was a peripheral vision and then, the, like yesterday, um, she was on the front porch with me, and Brad came around the side of the house, and she barked at him. Like, she barks at, and realized, okay, and then sometimes she'll bark at people passing, and it's like, once she realizes it's a person, or, oh, it's Daddy, I'm so sorry, Daddy, I didn't really mean to bark at you, but it's like, how can you not know him? He was, you know, not that far away. So I think that sometimes she has some nearsightedness that makes it hard for her to recognize who's coming towards her. And I used to, like, and when I, because I, I feel that way because then when she does recognize the person or she sees that it's a person, then she loses it and does her, oh my gosh, it's a person thing. Um, so I did take her to the vet because I said, I'm kind of concerned because I can't figure out why it is sometimes she can, she can, she's catching a ball. Well, okay, that doesn't happen. We, we bounce and run after it. She's gotten better, but she, there's still times. And so what he did was he did the cotton ball test where she was seated and faced me and he took a cotton ball and he dropped one by her right hip because she could see it out of her peripheral vision and she turned to see it and then he dropped one at her left hip when she was facing forward and she turned and looked at it and he didn't want noise he wanted just vision which is why he used the cotton ball test he said i think her peripheral vision is okay because this is a pretty good test as to whether or not because she's facing forward so i think sometimes you need to understand isn't that great yeah yes so i'm gonna test all the dogs today okay good that's what I'll be doing. If you need me later, I'll be testing. I'll be dropping cotton balls. balls. But remember, they have to be facing forward, and then you drop it at their hip. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because you're testing peripheral vision. 
course. Um, I want to say dogs see like 270 degrees. I, I don't know. I think that that sounds it's like they almost see behind themselves because they're, their eyes are on the corner. Right. They're, they're both, they got it the best of both worlds, right? They have that, the, the predator's vision, they have really good depth perception. Suppose, well, except if you're Zuzu. Um, they have. Or my Doberman. Right. So I will tell you, I, uh, my Doberman was definitely nearsighted. Yeah. So and I can know. Who was. Yeah. And so I think sometimes you need to, to just give your dog a little bit of a break because if somebody comes around the corner and startles them or they don't know that that person's coming and they bark once or twice, it's not that they're being vicious. It's kind of like, wow, you startled me or I don't know who you are. Cause I can't see you that well. But once I see you, I calm down. So give your dog, you know, watch this. This is the time once again, to be curious to say, what's going on? Are you actually seeing this? Are you actually, because if it's just the, I can't see you well, I'm not going through a whole bunch of behavior modification because it's a stranger. Let's have, you know, it's, right. it's just, oh, you, so, you can't see. So Jack struggles if somebody's backlit. Yes. He doesn't know who it is, right? right. It's a dragon. And it can be his, it could be me. It could be, you know, his original mom. It could be, his favorite person in the whole wide world, he doesn't know who it is. Um, and so certain times a day, I'm actually careful about like, okay, we're going to manage the dog differently so that if Christopher's coming in or if somebody's coming to visit, he's not in a position where his view of them is backlit because he that adrenaline dump that he has over I have no idea who just walked into this house. Is something that takes him like five days to oh, yeah. like he's, more, he's more insane, right? It becomes this big self-perpetuating thing. Um, well, the problem with adrenaline is that it's very fast acting. And, and a lot of it leaves your system within 20 minutes. But for most people who've had an adrenaline dump like that or dogs, it takes a full 24 hours to go back to what your pre-adrenaline dump was, if not longer. So you want to avoid those things because your dog is more likely to be reactive because arousal level is higher because of the adrenaline that has stayed in their system. Um, the other thing that I found um, the, the, that when, when you mentioned about being backlit, think about... Um, changes in your body image too because for example one of my trainers in Virginia she when she got married they left the reception she was in her wedding dress and when she went home her dog lost it because in Robin walked in this great big dress with the long train and so on and so forth she didn't recognize Robin's profile and it wasn't until she had a chance to actually sniff Robin oh that's who you are so that's one reason why um, when we talk about Halloween is like your dog, this is one night a, a, a year. Your dog does not need to greet every Halloween kid. I mean, maybe being in your crate with a happy Kong is probably a better place because these all these kids are arriving in wild profiles. Like my grandson last year built, he was a spaceship. He built himself a big round spaceship with things coming down. He had, you know, alien sun, you know, eyes on it. So he's like his head, he was the alien coming out of the spaceship. And he has great alien glasses. I think my dog would have lost it seeing Henry look like a spaceship, right? So have I, have I ever told you the story about the, so I have a, a family here locally that she has twin granddaughters that I want to say at the time were like seven, right? 
And one day a week after school, the kids get off the bus at her house and they spend, it might even be Friday night. They spend Friday night, they have like a grandma movie night, pizza, what ice cream, like all the inappropriate things. And then the kids like, and then the, the extended family spends time together on Saturday. So um, the woman had adopted an adult dog who we knew loved kids, um, Barney, and he was lovely. And she called me one day um, and it was probably like, I don't know, three or four weeks before Halloween. And what ended up happening was the kids surprised her and poor Barney. So they get off the bus, they run into their, the guest bedroom, their bedroom at grandma's house with all their toys and all their stuff. And they come out dressed as pandas, including heads. Barney lost it. Like he was positive that there were fire breathing dragons that had eaten his beautiful children that he loved. And I mean, he was going to take these pandas downtown. Right? Now, fortunately, one of the little girls like yelled Barney's name and pulled her head off, you know, put not her actual head, her panda head off. And, and Barney just like melted. And was like, oh, my gosh, I'm the worst dog ever. And, like, slunk away. And she was like, we broke the dog. Like, <laughs> he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He was so embarrassed about his behavior that he had said, apparently, in, in dog language, terrible things to the dangerous pandas. <laughs> that, like, it was a big thing. Like, he sulked for, like, three or four days because he was so upset about this thing. It was hysterical. So we we did we played a lot of dress up with Barney, not Barney, but the kids and reminding the kids like while that was a super funny thing to do to grandma, maybe not the nicest thing to do to poor Barney. That being said, I have a skeleton in my house that randomly moves around into new positions, including sometimes sitting on the john or being in the bathtub. Her name's Bonita. Um, She has costumes. She sometimes is doing downward dog in the living room and it's completely used to torture the pot cake. They don't care. At this point, Bonita could probably be holding balloons and they would be like, sup Bonita. Like they don't eat like these dogs who freak out if you move a box. Right. Like that this skeleton that randomly moves around the house doing weird stuff. Totally normal. She's totally normal. Yeah, it's just, it depends. What is in your wheelhouse? What have you been exposed to? Right. Um, and so my, my, my suggestion is sometimes it's just like, um, it just be mindful of, of, of what's going on in your dog's world, especially as your dog gets older and maybe developing cataracts. So I'm not seeing as clearly and light and dark is more difficult for me. And I'm not hearing as well that these dogs oftentimes, what I have found is that they actually, they become, they become needier. It's like, I need you to help me move through this world that I used to be comfortable with, but I don't understand it because they don't know that the changes are happening to them. They just know that the world is changing. If you're not here, I'm not here. It doesn't sound the same. It doesn't look the same. I, and, and, and you know what? Smelling is probably going to, it probably doesn't smell the same either. Cause I tell you, sometimes you could hit, I feel like you could sort of, you could drop an entire chicken on the top of Zuzu's head and she'd go, where's the chicken? 
right? So I, I sometimes think, you know, she's near nosed, as my daughter puts it. She's she's a little fascinating that one. She is. She is. I, I adore her to death. She's the sweetest thing. I took her this I morning to work with a couple of Maltese, and she was just beautiful with them. But what I'm saying yeah. is that. Pay attention. As your dog gets older, remember your dog turns geriatric at the age of seven. Unfortunately, it's just true. Start paying attention. If if noises start to bother them more, if they're a little bit more leery of, it could be I'm leery of going up and down steps. It could be pain. It could be I can't see the steps as well. Right. And they're scary to me. So maybe light, instead of going, okay, come on, I don't want to turn the light on. Turn the light on. So they can see better to go up the steps. Um, and it could. Have you ever had a dog who's afraid of the dark? Now that one I don't think I've had. Yep. I Marco's totally afraid of the dark. He does not want to go outside alone. He needs dad or myself to go with him. And a flashlight is insufficient. Right. Like you can't just go sit on the porch. And And honestly, lots of pot cake. I get reports that they're afraid of the dark, oh, which is fascinating to me, right? It makes me wonder like, okay, what's, what, what is up with that? Well, right? I'm wondering is, 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 um, it, what nocturnal creatures would they have encountered that might Humans. have, yeah, well, you know, other things that, that might be scary to them. Well, like, I don't know. And the other but thing yeah, is, it's not just pot cake. Right. 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 But I just buy pot cake. Right. But what I'm wondering is if a dog's are scared of the dark, what might have happened? What might have scared them in the dark? What kind of nocturnal creature could they have come across that was um, unusual for them? The other thing I wanted to say about smell is that smell can do weird things to dogs. Like, for example, I was working with a client last night, and their dog is, um, she's she's a bit of an aroused uh, dog, and she's been on melatonin, which has helped a lot. She wears a shirt, and that helps. But she was just beyond herself last night. And well, it finally comes out that, um, cause I had smelled a little bit of skunk that, that the woman had hit a skunk in the morning with her car and had parked her car in the garage. And the dog had just gone ballistic over the smell of skunk, but could really smell skunk and kept going back to the back door. And I'm like, Oh, it's the smell of the skunk that is kind of making us very aroused for whatever reason, the smell of the skunk was really getting to this dog and I need to go out and take care of the tires. And so that's just another reminder that maybe you may not be losing your, your, your sense of smell, which could happen with older dogs, but maybe there is some scent that's going on that you don't know about. That's highly tried, especially if you have hounds. Well, and our noses are dumb. They really are. (laughs) really dumb right right from a dog's perspective i got this from suzanne clothier yeah. she was like our we're just not competent right if you think of it from through a dog's nose right mm-hmm. we walk past the rabbit poop and the petrified frog in the grass and we don't even notice it so of course when i'm like hey look what i found over here my dog's like you can't find anything like you're a fool you don't you can't smell anything crazy right. person so it, it is interesting to me that, um, you know, yes, I would agree. Scent, scent is a big thing. And, um, I mean, I've seen dogs be reactive because someone's becoming diabetic. Mm-hmm. I've seen dogs be reactive and, and poke at a spot on somebody's arm. And then it turns out that they have cancer in that location, right? Scent is a really pretty amazing world to them. And one that 
I think we're kind of dumb to. Oh, I agree. The way that they're, that they're dumb to color, right? They see they see contrast, but they kind of sort of loosely, I've heard um, canine ophthalmologists say, it's kind of like your dog has red-green color blindness. Right, which is one reason why if you're doing um, scent mark, um, like scent work, um, we had a, a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Wendy McElroy. She does scent work, and she was saying if you want to train your dogs to, like, to follow a scent trail, take red felt, put the scent on the red felt, and put that in the grass. The dog can't see the difference between the red felt in the grass, and that's how, but you know where the trail is, so you can go pick it up later. And I thought that was a great idea. So, um, yeah, they they tend to be. So, what this all boils down to is that dogs can have changes in their hearing and their sight and their smell and other senses, probably even to, you know, they may become more, I don't know if dogs become more touch sensitive when they're older. They may become more touch sensitive because they're it's their other senses are going down. And so I'm more high, heightened awareness of people around me and touching me when I'm not, you know, or it may startle me more because I didn't see you or smell you coming up to me or I didn't hear you. So all these things are things that you need to pay attention to. And if you see a radical change in your dogs, in one of their senses, get it checked out. There might be that like, your friend's mother who had, you know, big earwax buildup could be if their hearing is changing, they have wax buildup or they have an ear infection. Or it could be that they might have, um, you know, if they don't want to eat or, you know, maybe they have a tooth infection. All these things, the, the senses can, uh, can give you a clue to behaviors. It could be it's just that we're getting a little bit older and that my hearing is going, my sight is going, that's not necessarily the same, for example, as dementia in a dog. So if you're worried about whether your dog is developing canine cognitive dis- dementia, dementia, that's different than just straight hearing loss or sight loss. So that can be diagnosed or hopefully with your vet or with some help from a vet or a behaviorist. But these things can all be indications of problems that um, are going to arise as your dogs get older. And how can we help you, even if your sight's going, how can I help you to still enjoy the world around you? How can, if you're not hearing things as well, how is it that I can help you to still be, you know, enjoying an inactive part of your world? All right. So I would like to ask our listeners to like, like us on whatever podcast thing you're listening platform. to. It's a platform. A platform. Whatever platform you're utilizing. Also, please, if you're on Facebook, look for us. Yes. Yes, please do. That's like thank you to Tina for us. that. Right. Like and share us. Um, we do really, really like five star reviews. They help us. Anything less than the top number of stars is bad. So don't hurt us that way. Like love us, please. Um and please send us your ideas. Absolutely. Them, Absolutely. Right? Yes. We want to know what you want to know. Right. So, um, and we're happy doing these little even listener grab bags. Right. So right. you can send us an email. I'll have, um, I'll have Julie give you the email address. And then if you're on Facebook, you can actually just post to the page like, or message us if you want it to be private to let us know what you'd like us to cover on your family dog podcast. Very good. Thank you, Tina, for mentioning that because yeah, that's how we can, we can make this be your podcast with information that's relevant to you and your dog. So um, if you do want to email us, it's feedback 
at yourfamilydogpodcast.com. That's feedback at yourfamilydogpodcast.com. And if you go to yourfamilydogpodcast.com, you can just email us right from there under contact us. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.